0: Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Trey. Stephanie's on. She's been dealing with her mother for a while, and um, she's not going to be here today. But we've got Thaddeus, and we got a great topic. And then Steph will be back soon after that. But uh, yeah, let's
1: remember Stephanie and her mom. Yeah. Uh, in our prayers today when we as we pray the the Pope John Paul II prayer for the family.
0: Yes, please. And so let's go ahead and begin with that. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your son Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive, successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love. Strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, it may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray Pray for for us. us. Holy family of Nazareth. Pray for us. Amen. Our son, Holy Spirit. Hold on, go ahead. Thadies. Okay. So, um,
1: I have a little device, you know, a little helper app that I use on my, on my computer. It's called Cloud App. It's a little device. That yeah, I've you never c-
0: seen that before. Yeah,
1: you can, it, what it does is it, it, you can take a screenshot of something or if you have something you, you copy, uh, you can upload it to a little amount of cloud uh cloud file sharing uh storage and then you can have it available to use on all your different devices and your different computers and it's a hand i find it a handy way to um, take screenshots anyway that's all preface to this company that runs this makes this little program uh they have a blog and a lot of it is usually um i, I think it's mostly for for developers and 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 tech stuff. Um, but a few maybe about a month ago in the email that they send out to the the people who use their product, uh there was this interesting blog post on um jealousy. Which yeah. I was and I was just taken aback. The title of it is jealous uh feeling jealous. Seven ways jealousy can make you a better person. So here, here is a tech blogger, okay, writing on uh, the virtues, writing on the vices, and so I, I had to, I had to read it uh, because I was very surprised to come across it, and and, and I read through it and uh, let Trey know that hey, here's a here's a show maybe show idea for uh, a future that we can put in the hopper and. And it turned out that that this week was a a good time to to do it. So I thought that what uh, let me first first of all mention to you that, uh, and we'll we'll link to this. uh, Getting your ESPN ESPN alerts, huh? But that's the way, buddy. Last minute. That's the way. Um, (laughs) um, the author defines uh, jealousy through psychology. Right, and she she gives kind of this uh, very cumbersome definition.
0: It was hard to. It's hard to. Yeah, really um,
1: understand she you. says the difference between envy and jealousy is that envy is when you want something someone else has. Okay, and jealousy is when there's something you want that someone else might be taking away from you. Okay, and then she links to a psychologist article, and, and the psychologist he essentially says. Uh, jealousy is when you are worried that say your girlfriend is dancing with the attractive guy and he's going to, he's going to steal your girlfriend away from you. It's not, it's not envy because you're not feeling inadequate or less than him. You might believe that you're also attractive. What you're worried about is that he's going to take your something you want or that is yours away from you. Huh? Whereas envy, in this psychologist definition, is you feel inadequate, or you feel uh, like someone, another person, has an attribute that you want, and that you're jealous of. Or <laughs> there, I'm mixing my terms again. Uh, that you, you wish you had.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny. I think it's the the point that's being brought up here that's I think critical. That's not the me. classic Christian
1: definition of envy,
0: right? And that, and that again, that's really the cornerstone of of having any reasonable argument with anybody, particularly when you're talking about cultural issues as opposed to Christians, we've got to define your terms. Yes. I mean and, and come to an agreement on what we're saying because so much in this day and age um of what how many other characters you have on a on a tweet or hundred and forty. Okay, I see <laughs> that's how how little I know about that. But but in kind of those and those little nuggets that are put out there we get we get dangerously close to just everybody has their own and oh yeah that sounds right but mm-hmm. but really what needs to happen is what do you really mean right. by that right. so so right here we're talking about jealousy um a, ver- a, a
1: vice um something that we try to inculcate our children against and right off the bat with in this secular context or this a non-christian author um, maybe she's a Christian, but she's not writing from an explicitly Christian perspective let's sure say, or and yeah. not informed by it and by any means right off the bat. We're not even we're just talking right, right past each other, just like you're saying. You're so right. it, you you don't want to do that. So slow down, get a lay of the territory, get a lay of the land, find out what do they mean when they say jealousy, when they say envy.
0: Okay? That's a great and That's a really important point. Both for with our kids and what they do, because what happens is is sometimes you can be arguing about something that you're not really arguing about because you haven't really sat down and and come to agreement on what terms mean. Yep. And if you if you, if, I mean, you could see I'd be pretty easy. Jealousy is a good thing, you know. Well, then if you just start in the argument about jealousy, you could go on and on with neither person really agreeing on what jealousy means Mm -hmm. and really accomplish zero. Mm -hmm. And and whereas if you go back and, and take the time to, well, so what do you mean by that? Though this is what I mean by it. Mm -hmm. You can oftentimes find commonalities, which I think, I mean, you can find things that are, yeah, okay. There's a part of There's part truth to that, but it's not, we wouldn't call that jealousy. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yeah. So
1: then she goes on and she lists these, um, these seven ways that she claims jealousy can make you a, a better person, quote unquote, better person. And her, her little subtitles are, uh, get more of what you want, challenge your assumptions, become a better communicator, up your game, get to know when you need a timeout, know what you have that they don't, and forgive yourself, okay? Okay. I think before we go get into those I thought it would be worthwhile to all right well let's look at what the catholic christian classical tradition says about jealousy says about envy and kind of get that out on the table and then we'll try to take apart the article as far as we can for you that's, know the remainder correct. of the show yeah. and
0: and um because well, envy is and again, I I'm not so sure. And hopefully, you've done on uh, wh- how do you, what are the distinctions between jealousy, right. and envy? That's the thing we're going to tackle next. Good. Exactly. Yeah. Why <laughs> don't you go ahead and lead that? Because I mean, obviously, envy is one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> deadly sins. So, yes. <laughs> so we got to make sure. Right. If you saying anything about envy, that we got to.
1: And I got to uh, I got to tip my hat to um, Dr. Taylor Marshall. He's an Aggie up in Dallas. Uh, moral philosopher and he has a great acronym pale gas for the seven deadly sins and that is pride anger lust envy gluttony avarice and sloth so that's how you can remember them pale gas pale gas gas. okay uh you suck that that gas into your body of the seven deadly sins and you're going to turn pale real quick (laughs) that's great um but I relied on um, another great living Catholic philosopher, um, Peter Kreeft. Oh, awesome. and two, I went to two of his books, Practical Theology, which he takes uh, St. Thomas's Summa Theologiae and breaks it down into 358 questions uh, that your mind can help you become a saint. This, the subtitle is Spiritual Direction from St. Thomas Aquinas. So that's Practical Theology, Peter Kreeft. And then his book, Back to Virtue, uh, which both of these are published by Ignatius Press. So that's kind of my source material.
0: Great sources. I mean, for I... For breaking I this down. is my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorites.
1: Well, and w- what a lively writer. I mean, just yes. a
0: wonderful Yeah, writer. I'll tell you,
1: as a, as a parent... His books
0: are fun to read because he's such a good writer. If you want... I, 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 there's You can find some that are like Jesus Shock, for example, particularly as they get older... There are, you can teach writing to yes. your kids by showing how he's able to convey ideas in absolute minimal words. Such so, economy of language, so, so clear though. I mean, I anyway, I I would say that any anybody, if you even if it was just to teach people how to write, mm-hmm. I would in, I would include him. But he's easy to read. Very clear, and on difficult subjects, is something that you can you can really pick something up. Yeah. Whereas you might go read, try to read some other theologian, and it's very difficult and yeah. a lot of work. So. You're going to
1: be plowing through, whereas Peter Kreeft, it's going to be a joy. Yeah. You know, you laugh a lot. You will. You will. <laughs> okay, but, uh, so, um, Kreeft, he starts out by explaining that. In classical, the classical understanding of, let's say, envy, jealousy, passions, these are passions that we have, okay? Now, the modern world uses passion in a very different way than the traditional use of the term, and it's this kind of this more positive Aspect of, you know, you hear often, what are you passionate about? Do what you're passionate about. And that's not, that's not what we're meaning here when we're, when we're using the term passion, but passions are feelings, are desires. They're not acts of the will. They're not acts of the body. Right. Okay. They reside in the soul, not the body. Our will is an aspect of our reason, not a passion. So we've got our passions, which are our desires. We have our will, which is a an aspect of the reason. And one of the he gives this little analogy, which I think is really helpful. He says, okay, think of the soul as a school. Okay. The will is the headmaster of the school, the principal of the school. And reason is the teacher in the school. And the passions are the students. Hmm. The headmaster the will subjects the students the passions to the teacher to reason and he sends the he sends the teacher he sends reason to the passions and if he lets this if he lets the teacher and the students if he lets reason and the passions go off on their own separate ways you have chaos in the school you have chaos in the soul you have chaos in the person right okay Christ the logos is the ultimate teacher. He's the word made flesh, right? Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is for the human person, subject all of our passions to Christ, put all of our passions under the perfect teacher, Christ. Right. Okay. So passions will reason. Will is the headmaster and he, and our will, we, we, we will our reason to subject our passions. Sound
0: good, Trey? Yeah, no, I, I, it is. I there's nothing. In fact, there's something good, I guess, about and I and you may want to correct this, but what I was thinking of as you were saying that was, I had a guy. There's a friend of mine that played in the NFL, and this is a um, and we were talking about getting butterflies, hmm. and and I think this is what he said. He said he said butterflies are not the problem. Butterflies are good. But you just have to make the butterflies fly in formation. That's great. And I think that I think that's I think that's what you're talking about here. I think so. It's not because it it is something that's that's kind of just coming out as a result, and you've got to do something with them. If you just let them go, if you let mm-hmm. the emotions go, it's bad. But but the emotions themselves, it's not to shut them down. It's to make right. them ordered. So uh,
1: I think an easily accessible one is. Your sexual desire, right? It's not that's not bad in and of itself, but if you let it, if you don't make it fly in formation, if you don't order it, right, to a to the good purpose, which you know through your reason, right? Okay,
0: then what you have is you have lust, right? And that and that's that's why it is it is very important because the the, the easiest way and lots of times we 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 an easy way to get a child or a young adult or whoever is to create fear. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for a long time, and I'm, I may be over generalizing, but, but I, I find that even in culture, even talking and growing up in in the family that I did and having talked to my kids, there is a sense sometime that that human sexuality, for example, is bad because there's like, you don't do it. And you have, and you really, as parents have to make sure you're, cause I, I, everything I can to try to get my kids, but I've heard my kids say it and I've had to correct them and say, no, it's, it's beautiful. In fact, it is one of the most amazing gifts that God's given. It's just, it's meant to be used in a perfect, in a perfect, in a particular way, in a particular circumstance. So again, I think it's the same thing. We can start to try to create fear instead of using reason and subjecting and getting them all integrated together like a good schoolhouse. (laughs) Right. Um, And we as parents need to make sure that we're gathering things in and things are properly understood so that they can be ordered correctly for the right reasons, Right? not that's bad. Don't ever do that because that's not the truth. Right. And so what we're, what we're doing today is we're looking at sort of,
1: uh, the source, of the things that can, eventually we'll be talking about, what what causes jealousy slash envy, as this writer has sort of identified them, and and how to order those things correctly, how to get those things right, flying in formation as your Perfect. as your friend said, that's such a good analogy. So now, what is the, Thomas? Saint Thomas points out. He says, now reason. It governs the passions the way a magistrate or a, a mayor, let's say, a civil s- ruler, governs the citizenry. What does he mean? He, he elaborates. So that the citizens, they can act counter to the, the mayor's commands or to the magistrate's commands. They don't perfectly obey right. uh, automatically. So the passions have the possibility to go against reason and can even influence reason at times. So yeah. we have to be aware of that. And certainly we see that in our little ones who are are developing in their ability to master their passions, right? right. And to keep them under proper control. And in their own little selves, learning how to be that headmaster who brings reason into play to master the emotions that they're feeling.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, when, when you're talking about this again, I think this is another way of doing We've talked about this before, but I think when you see young children, maybe before they can even speak, you can teach this. Maybe they're hungry, and they don't know how to communicate that they're hungry, and so they can throw a temper tantrum. If you can teach them sign language, and then again get them, Mm-hmm. to order basically to say, now, how would would you like to ask? This is how you ask. Thank you. Say that you're hungry and teach them to communicate. That's what you're teaching them. Even that early in life is there's a path. There's something I'm, I mean, it's, I'm hungry. <laughs> I want, I I want, I want to get that and I don't know how to ask for it. So I'll throw a temper tantrum as a parent. You're just saying, okay, that's a normal deal. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a, a sensation that you're having something that you need now just communicate it reasonably to somebody else. And because we love you, we're going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. That I think that's a simple way mm-hmm. of showing that we have to learn how to grapple with how to order, how to properly manage mm-hmm. those, I don't know, passions mm-hmm. that, that, that tend to bubble up as a result of, that.
1: and this is a point of, um, association, let's say with the article that we're critiquing, because one of the things she we're jumping ahead a little bit. One of the things she suggests is that jealousy should, should indicate to you that you should become a better communicator. And that's exactly what you're saying there. So if, if we can communicate our desires, our worries, whatever it is that we're feeling, whatever our passions are driving with inside of us, and we can get those out and express them, that can
0: help us order them. Right. And that's why this is so, this is an important exercise. I mean, I I hope that everybody listening enjoys it, but it's important because stuff comes out like this and there are pieces of the truth there. We just have to kind of reframe it through the lens of our faith to get it proper and say, okay, yeah, we can agree with you on this, but this is how we would explain it. Now,
1: now her shortcoming is that she starts off by saying jealousy can help you know To get more of what you want. And she would probably say, well, you should communicate better so you can get more of what you want. And that's not exactly right either. That's not morally uh, fruitful either. Right. Anyway. We're jumping ahead. Okay. So, Kreeft says that St. Thomas identifies two kinds of passions. And one of these types of passions, that can be our word for the day, which is, irascible, irascible passions. Yeah. Okay. Irascible passions are the passions that desire that make us want to move away from something that we hate it or we fear it. Those are your irascible, irascible passions and your concupiscible passions. And I know we've heard concupiscence on this show before. Our concupiscible passions are our desires that make us want to move toward an object that make us want to love Right. and desire something. So envy/jealousy slash most likely you would probably put in the concupiscible passion category, right? It arises out of those disordered concupiscible passions. Is that fair to fair to say? I would think so. Yeah, okay. I'm not
0: an expert on that, but but I, that seems like that would make sense.
1: Okay, cuz you're you're seeing in other if we even just take her definitions, you're seeing in someone else Something that you want, or you're worried that someone's going to take away something that you have, and you want to hold on to that thing. So it's it's concupiscible passion, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So Thomas he defines envy as sorrow at another's good. Yes. Now we both have multiple children in our families, and Thankfully, we can both say that we've never seen that in operation (laughs) in our children, right? We've never seen
0: our children have Uh, sorrow at someone else's good. Yeah, no, no, and that it is. I think, and even the definition, I was just looking at it, which is exactly in line with what he says, you know, that resentment or sadness, you know, at another's good fortune. I think as a parent, that is one of the most critical things to do is to create, I don't know, for lack of a better term, kind of a team mentality Mm -hmm. that that when you see that sadness at somebody else's, that that's that's an opportunity to talk through that with them and begin to talk about, you know, whatever good he or she has, whatever blessing that they have is something that we hold together as a family because we share a name. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those are things to look at. I would not let that go now you may if they're having a fit because and just flat out angry that's not the time to do it. You need to wait for a another time, but I do think that that's an important thing when you recognize envy that that you that you begin to address it as they're younger, so that they're not i I see as my kids are older, and it's one of the most refreshing things to see the older ones when instead of being that that they're excited about their brother or Sister, oh, wow, that's pretty good. I'm excited for them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I think, I think that's over time something that we've tried to work at. It's part of the pitching those pennies in, you know, doing it. And it's exciting to see it come naturally to where they're when somebody else is having success. Man, that's <laughs> that's my brother. You yeah, no,
1: I have younger children than you do. No, and, and yes, it's a work. I have one child in particular who shall remain nameless, and this child really struggles with envy yeah. he really struggles with envy. And we are, we are just right in the trenches right now. I mean, it is combat over this aspect right. of their, of their character. So Kreeft makes this, just this wonderful point that envy is the only sin that gives the sinner no pleasure at all. You don't get any pleasure out of feeling envy. Wow. It's that, not that's... like, it's not like lust. It's not like, um, you know, you might get pleasure even out of anger by, by yeah, destroying no, sure. the thing that you're you're angry at. Um, according to Kreeft, it therefore shows two important truths about sin. Two important truths about sin: sin removes our joy, and sin is deceptive. Yeah. Okay. So why is it remove our? Why does envy show that sin removes our joy? Well, because envy is the opposite of gratitude, as you were saying or alluding to. And he says, quote, gratitude is the seedbed of joy. Yes. It leads quickly to hatred for envy is sorrow at another's good. Envy hates the other for having something good. It's demonic. Wisdom. The book of wisdom, chapter two, verse 24 says by the envy of the devil, death came into the world. Okay. Right. What is the what is that sacred book getting at there? Why was the devil envious?
0: What was he envious about? Well, I mean, I, you've heard the this of what God had made man to be. Right. And and his and his awareness that God had made man to be in a particular way an image of God himself in in a particular way that no other being would be like and Mary being the pinnacle of of that. He hated it. I will not serve Mm -hmm. because basically he's basically the devil saw both that God had blessed the human race and that because they were had matter involved with them. He saw that their limitations, they're they're beneath me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I can't serve, you you know, and that's, that's where the, I mean, that's as best I can do it. But that is, that is envy it's also pride it's all it's the it's all the deadly. right thing, and I've, I've
1: i've read that he he f- kind of foresaw or could anticipate that okay one of these human beings is going to be elevated to this this position in heaven as as queen right. that mary this this mary is I, going to yeah.
0: and i'm going to have to serve her no way right and that's and that is what many of i don't that's what many have said had happened is god part of the 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 um I guess the judgment of the angels was here's what I'm going to do mm-hmm. and giving them a glimpse of that. Right. Choose. Right. It's kind of alluded to in yeah. revelation. Right. And right. so, and so the ones that didn't said, well, they're just, they're, they got matter and matter is beneath me. Right. You know? Right. So, and then you said
1: this team mentality and Kreef says Envy denies our solidarity with one another, our horizontal nature that we are our brother's keeper. He writes, quote, the great vertical fact, okay, of our nature is that we are creatures of God and beloved by God. That is the reason for the first commandment, to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we're also brothers and
0: sisters with one another. We have the same human nature. And just parents out there... If you listen the vertical and the horizontal, there's a reason that God chose the cross as the sign. It is the intersection. And and Jesus hanging on that cross is the bullseye, so to speak, of that intersection of our relationship with God and its necessary involvement of the horizontal, the who we're with. So we have to have this mentality of solidarity that we're all in this thing together. Right. And so anyway. So
1: instead we end up with envy, we end up weeping at those who rejoice and rejoicing at those who weep. And that's not what we're called to. That's not what we're called to at all. No. Envy, Kreeft suggests, is actually the most dramatically countered in the beatitude of Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He says, all people can be blessed because all people mourn, all of us suffer, all humans undergo suffering. And it is our free choice to believe and receive this gift. The better we can suffer the temporary sorrows of this world, the better are we disposed to win the eternal joy of the next world. St. Paul said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, which shall be revealed in us, right? Romans eight, 18. So suffering blesses us by sculpting souls. It strengthens our love. It makes what we suffer for. We love more. And it teaches us the wisdom endowed only by suffering. And he, Quotes this rabbi um, Abraham Heschel, who said, "The man who has not suffered, <laughs> what can he know anyway?" <laughs> <laughs> <Quite> <laughs> you can hear you hear a rabbi <laughs> yeah, a saying rabbi that, but t- there's t- a lot of there's a lot of wisdom there, a lot of truth there. Um, so, <clears throat> kind of with that groundwork laid out, now, uh, do you want to say anything to to sum up? Uh, the this no I just find it a
0: traditional I, the, the Catholic whole, understanding the, of envy the, and jealousy but particularly with the blessed are those who mourn often I would think that people are envious because they look at themselves and they maybe are suffering or lacking, and they see somebody else, and so maybe from that 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 mourning and not embracing that, mm-hmm. not seeing it um as a possible blessing uh Leads us to. So, if we deny that, then that means we're going to head towards envy, towards right. I, I, I shouldn't have this instead of embracing. Which is again why the cross is central. Why understanding that bad things happen to good people. We've done shows on that before, but I mean, right. we have to create a culture that is really um, infiltrated or integrated right. in and through our faith of seeing the cross at the center of. Salvation history at the center of who we are, and recognizing it for that. And I guess the only other thing is, is that that I mean, this popped into my head, and and while I'm not sure I can articulate it, is at the fall, the fact that God said that in that the woman would increase her, you know, her pains in labor, the fruit of love, a child, and even St. Paul talks about the joy that that is for the joy they they bear the they bear the pains you know the mother that the, the mother's able to go through the pains because she's aware of what's on the other side you know the child is coming that god meant from the very beginning to link things that you care about with sacrifice things that you care about with some sort of pain and suffering that that's what that's not that love causes that, but that that is if you care enough about something that that you're going to sacrifice enough to where it will hurt. But that is love, which is, again, perfectly shown in and through Christ on the cross, but is mimicked in every mother who gladly embraces labor pains for the sake of the child who's coming. Right. So right.
1: anyway. So he to kind of put a, a bow on on this. He points out that envy is seeing what someone else has and saying, I want you down there below me. Right. And I want to be above. Right. It's a zero sum game. It's a, I have to have 100% and everyone else has zero. That's the only way I can win. If anyone has, has some, then I lose. Yep. Okay. It's a half full mentality. My glass, ugh, my glass is only half full and you have the other half. And if I had that other half in my glass then I would have a full glass and then I would be satisfied. Yes. Kreeft contrasts this with aspiration, which is a good thing. He says, aspiration is just saying, I want to be up there with you. I see what you have. I see the good things that you have and I want to enjoy them with you. And I want to do whatever I, whatever it
0: entails to achieve that to have that right and I, and i think that's it's now, a half full mentality and that's a spring that springs into that because i think that's that's where we would probably agree not in the way she articulates it but the but the, what she's saying about it right we would agree with that and we as catholics as catholic parents should be pointing to hey we want to be like that we're short anyway yeah uh, so that's great.
1: So then let's let's move on to her article. With about we've got about seventeen minutes. About seventeen minutes left. I could have said like about fifteen minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> it's about seventeen minutes and so many seconds. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. So the first the her first claim is that okay if you sense if you feel jealousy, then it helps you. To know uh, how to get more of what you want, and I would just kind of spring off of what we just spoke about and say that's not really what she's saying. What she's really identifying is the sense of aspiration that every human being carries around with them. Right? That they they see um, other achievements that people have, other talents that that people have, other uh, abilities that people have uh, acquired and and practiced within within themselves. And you say, "I want that," or that person. Looks, looks happy and satisfied and fulfilled, and I, I want that. Does not right. mean that they have to be below me? Absolutely. Just I want to share in whatever it is that what that
0: they have. Right. And I think. I think a couple things. Love. <clears> then <throat> God is love. Always multiplies there's an abundance that 's what abundant life is, so we have to get away. The devil wants to say there's only so much, or if we do what God wants, then we're going to not be able to do what we want mm-hmm. there's this sense of it's either or a zero sum game, which is a lie um with regard to that. I mean, we do want to show our kids and to recognize when we fall short there's nothing wrong with that. The answer is not to talk ourselves into well we're really not short, mm-hmm. but the aspiration is the other part we you know we want to have things that we're stretching for achieving that we're shooting towards stretch goals in secular things are things that you say, I think I can get there. Mm -hmm. But all of us, whether it's business or whatever is always saying we should, a healthy person says, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, but I know I could do better. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do things that are going to try to lead me that way. So
1: now what's missing in her first point is I alluded to this earlier it can Help you identify uh, things that you aspire to But then what she doesn't do what she fails to do is she fails to say but you still need to submit that aspiration for X thing to some objective moral framework and is it Good for you to be aspiring to that. So let's say your kid lets on that they want to be popular, that that's important to them. Okay, well, is that really something to be aspiring to? Maybe it's good to aspire to be well-liked. Maybe it's good to aspire to be um, generous, and then a byproduct of that is that you are popular or well-liked or well-respected. Maybe it's more important to be well-respected, Johnny, rather than... To be popular, so you still, you have to still subject whatever it is that they're aspiring to, and and yourself to some kind of objective moral
0: framework. And 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 I would go even further to say, from a from a Christian perspective, and and you're always setting yourself. Oh, it's part. It's part of what's wrong with the prosperity gospel, is that. Your success, your happiness is dependent on something that I'm going out to try to get mm-hmm. that's external to me, when in fact, our true happiness is actually to become exactly who God created us to be, right. to use the gifts and talents. So sometimes you see it, and we've talked about it, when you do American Idol or something like that, these people who, I want to be like, pick Beyonce or whoever. Sure. Uh, flavor Justin Bieber, whoever the, whoever the, it is, I want to be like them. So I'm going to go sing and that's what I'm going to do. Sometimes as a parent, we have to say, look, you are called to greatness. Everyone is, you are called to be everything that God created you to be. Right. Let's look at your gifts and talents. So that you have a kind of a context, not only a moral kind of context that it has to fit into? Is it the right thing to be striving for? But ultimately, the only happiness is going to be that you can be, you have some ability to cooperate with God and his grace on really only one thing, because all the other circumstances, while God's in control, (laughs) there are other people that can make decisions or other things that can get in the way. We have to begin to not turn in on ourselves, but recognize that we as people are called to cultivate and develop the gifts that we have for the sake of the other, and so we as parents need to help them recognize right. the way you're going to become popular if that's something you want, is to become who you are, not not to try to become who somebody else is. Yeah. So you can you can aspire to if you wanna be like that person, make it I wanna be like them in that they're using their gifts and talents to do that, not I wanna be like them. Right. Because you you couldn't be like that. And that's probably a topic for another
1: show. Yeah. Popularity. Yeah. Um, And, and what to bounce off of what you're saying, I think her point is also missing what I love, what Bishop Barron says on this. And he, he gets this, I think from Thomas Merton use this language, but Bishop Barron says you have to ultimately, you have to come to realize that your life is not about you. Okay. And that you're, you want to be part of not the ego drama where you're at the center stage, but you want to be a player, whatever your part is in the Theo, in the theo drama, because that drama is much more compelling and has much more, it's much more exciting and, and adventurous and um, is about what you were made for Right is God's plan for you, God's drama for your life, not your own and um, so, story
0: for your life. And as parents, your 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 job is to echo that over and over again i try to send texts to my kids as they're older god's got a plan for your life i mm-hmm. i'm i can begin to see it but i'm so excited to see what he's going to do
1: and let your kids in on that you're trying to discern that for your own life right all the time absolutely and, and try to
0: live we we need to try to live our but that is so that, that is a that is a way of looking at it that we need to do but anyway okay so on. we've got
1: about 10 minutes and 27 seconds um, <laughs> so her next point is challenge your assumptions jealousy can help you challenge your assumptions it can help you ask What's really going on here? Why am I uh, wanting uh, what this other person has? Or why am I afraid that something that I love uh, is going to be taken from me by this other person? So dig deeper into your your desires, into your priorities. And that's kind of linked to her third one, become a better communicator that if you notice that you're jealous about something, it should be a, a, a bell ringing in your head that maybe I need to explain what it is that I want or be able to state what I, what I want out of my life so that I won't uh, have these jealous feelings anymore. So, you know, she's clearly hemming and hawing in this article between sometimes jealousy is a good thing and, or it's in and of itself, but then she kind of goes back into, well, maybe it's and I Maybe think it's that's, not a good thing and you should try to root it out, but it can be a means to figuring out what's good and, and what you want. So she's clearly not subjected this to a, a lot of real rigorous examination. No, and that's what I, 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 think, I think
0: she's she's throwing the word around a lot. I would just say that there there are standards that we're called to, and we can see other people who are living more closely to those standards. The, we're, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact— we hold saints in high highest esteem. They've been canonized, so we should read about them. We should see what, what they've done and how God's done it. And And they are both the challenge to us that should make us recognize that we're not all that we should be, but they're also the hope for us. It says, all we have to do is say, I want to be a saint and then begin to try to live like one. It's the one prayer that we know God wants to answer. The only person between we we all you know I want a million dollars I want to be the whatever those aren't things but if you say I want to be exactly who you created me I want to be a saint mm-hmm. God we, he he wants to answer that mm-hmm. he that you know the answer to that prayer so I, I just think the, the the aspirations it's not jealousy I don't when when we look at a saint it's not jealousy it's like you said aspiration it's admiration it's veneration it's wow look at them but in looking at their lives looking at our own and saying look St. Augustine was not a perfect person from the beginning you know I think it was St. Augustine said when he looked at the saints of the church put out there hey if God can make a saint out of that guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. he can make it out of me so it's Mm -hmm. it's hopeful so and it's and it's understanding that even the greatest saints um had problems. where well, you know, we have a bad a bad problem, I think, of making saints look like they're just, you know, always perfect, never struggled, never had any issues. And if we read about their lives, that's not true. So they provide hope for us. Anyway.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think challenge your assumptions, ask what's really going on here. That is good. Yeah. You should when you do feel those pangs of, of envy, when you sense that in your children. Um, do help them to, to take some, uh, inventory of, well, why are you feeling this way? What's going on here? But again, I think it comes back to, you've got to subject that then to your Catholic moral framework. And this just a a basic question of, am I willing the good of the other here in this situation? Am I loving the other person the way that Jesus called me to, to do? Right. Um, okay. So then she moves on to, uh, (laughs) this kind of rather strange one of, up your game that jealousy can help you up your game Uh, you can use this this notion of asking what's really going on here and ask yourself well are you really working as hard as you should be to merit feeling these jealous feelings because maybe you're jealous that someone has um, got the promotion before you did in your company well maybe you need to take a hard look at yourself and say well. Maybe I should be, you know, working a few hours longer on Fridays rather than going to Friday afternoon club. And that's why I didn't get this promotion. And I think it's strangely worded at first glance, but I think there she's really on to something. Um, I think... And what she's really calling a secular audience to is something that's very familiar to Catholic, which is an examination of conscience.
0: No, I, I think I mean you can actually look at all three of the, the everything we've been talking about, and 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 it points to the fact that there is a standard, and it's there is a standard to which we're called, and that we are we fall short of that standard. Where we differ, I think, is how, is how we look at the fact that we fall. <laughs> at that as Christians. We we look at that hopefully. In other words, we're not stuck in the truth that we're falling short. When we recognize that we can turn to God's grace for that, but I think I think it is that we're always called in the second world Benjamin Franklin when he would work on his virtues if you read about him, he talks about taking a virtue that you want to, you know, um develop and then basically every day at the end of the day examine, how did I perform on that? That's not a, That's not a, from a Christian perspective. That's a secular perspective. But again, it flows from some truth that we all know there's a standard to which we're called that we're falling short of. And we should always recognize both we're falling short and that we need to try harder. But the Christian has even greater hope because grace is that. So, before making your oh. Amazon.com purchase, log on to RedCRadio.org. Okay, I'm sorry. Amazon I don't know if something, if, if we're having a technical difficulty Red here, but but I do think that this is why we do this. We we need to see that there are portion or pieces of the truth in many secular ideas and we just need to reframe them and say, yeah, you know, there is truth there. And that's the way we engage the culture. It's the way we engage our children um, is to begin to understand what is on the other side. You know, what, what do you mean by jealousy? And then we could talk with this lady, whether she's Christian or not and say, Hey, yeah, I mean, we do, we, we strive for perfection. We, we, for Christian perfection that we do recognize that as Saints, I mean, that we're all called to sainthood and that we're falling short of that, but that we are continually struggling uh, to work towards it. So a frequent confession is good. And I think, you know, here you're doing it by yourself. These people are doing it by themselves. You know, you can go and you can get some feedback from a person that's wise. A spiritual direction even beyond that is another important thing in terms of upping your game using her words right. is you know make gain I mean go and gain access to what God is providing both truth and grace in and through the sacrament. so anyway it's just these hints you can hear a just a a glimpse of something that all humans tend to know but only the Christian way of looking at it makes it make sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway. Okay,
1: let's let's jump to her last two real quick. Right. Her last two are know what you have that they don't. That comes down to just a basic uh, classical Christian notion of counting your blessings. If you're feeling jealous, envious, stop and think about, man, look at all the ways that that Christ, that God has blessed me. What are the things that I have to be thankful for? You know, so important. And then forgive yourself. Um, the message the jealousy is trying to to get across. Um, I kind of thought that was a little bit silly. Yeah, um, no,
0: I did too. And I think that she did. I think the the bottom line is what she's trying to get to. And so a, a lot of this goes back to an examination of conscience and receiving forgiveness and, and access to grace to actually begin to start striving more to aspire to what you aspire towards but they they want she wants you to like just get rid of this jealousy and say "Oh, forgive yourself don't worry about it I think what you have to do is begin to address okay why am I doing it some those are good exercises why is this happening what do I need to do and then receive forgiveness and then put it aside Mm -hmm. but ask recognize where you're being envious
1: I think the article is sort of like I said of two minds about jealousy there's part of like this yeah. last one she wants to sort of get rid of it and say no it's it's bad uh, let go of it or it's it's not legitimate but then there's other times where she's saying no it can actually be an aid to helping you uh, figure out and, and it know, echoes, know yourself
0: better it echoes kind of the Catholic both and deal that she can't grapple with but we as Catholics can say right. we're both a sinner and we're called a sainthood right so. now we have a le- little less
1: than a minute um her last one we didn't get to was uh, get to know when you need a
0: time out. I guess that means it helps you know when you need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think more like I do think that there's a time that you have to sit back and, and go on retreat, for example. Yeah. I think I think that that's probably more close to the truth. And you have to take time to to step back and, and see what's going on.
1: And as we close out here, that's a reminder that uh, February 17th is the Diocesan Catholic Men's Retreat. Uh, Check
0: that out. Think about going on retreat. And Trey, pray. us off. (laughs) So pray, uh, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. God bless you guys, and we'll see you uh, next week.
1: Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.